Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn to lie I was breathing the night alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you You called my name And I My sin was heavy, the chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you called me a citizen of heaven.
Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's never let me down He's faithful through generations So why would he fail now? He won't He won't I've still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense And I won't be Say 
got a hand of praise.
When Stacia and I were uh, first married, we lived in Florida, and uh, I was a youth minister at a church that was just down the road from Disney World. Now, just think about that for a second. I was a youth minister whose main community competition for the attention of children and students was Disney World, okay? Was Mickey Mouse. That's who I was competing against. So that was the downside to the whole Disney World experience. Here's the upside. Um, Because we lived there, we had resident season passes to Disney World that cost $85 for the whole year. What I've heard is that that's just like $45 shy of what it costs to go there for a day now, okay? So we were able to go there anytime we wanted to, which meant that if it was a really rough day at work, for either one of us, we would kind of call one another and say, man, it's been a rough day. And, and I'd swing by and pick Stacia up at work, and it was 10 minutes from our front door to the front gate of the Magic Kingdom. And we would just head to Disney World. And we would walk in and walk right down Main Street, USA, right towards Cinderella's Castle. Suddenly that starts to make a rough day at work feel a little bit better. And we'd go past the castle and off to the left and across the way and then turn left again and it puts you in fantasy land. And when we'd get there, we just made a beeline for the line for Peter Pan, the station's favorite ride. And some days we would go on Peter Pan and, and that would be it. And that was enough to kind of combat how the day had gone and we'd head back down Main Street and make our way out to the tram that would take us to our car and then we went back home. Other days, we decided to make an evening of it. And we'd just kind of stay and find some other rides to, to ride or maybe grab one of those giant turkey legs that you can get. I don't know, just something to do at Disney World. And whenever we did that, something kind of special happened. You see, Disney World didn't know that we lived only 10 minutes away. And Disney World didn't know that we just showed up at 5.30. As far as they were concerned, they treated us with the same hospitality and the same service and the same smiles as the people who were from thousands of miles away who had been planning their vacation for three years. And we met some of those folks while we were there. These are people who had dreams of this vacation that had started all the way back as a family dream back when the kids were in car carriers and strollers and now those same kids are kind of running around and they're pulling on mom and dad because they want to go to the next thing. And what we learned through all of that is that their journey that had started would now met with this anticipation of the moment that they got to stand in front of Cinderella's castle and get that picture with the whole family and the screaming kids and all that kind of stuff. And it had taken sacrifice. Sacrifice of money and sacrifice of vacation days and sacrifice of absences from school. But here's the part that I really took for granted the whole time that I was kind of going through those days at the Magic Kingdom. Our journeys to that moment, that moment of fun, that moment of relaxation, that moment of being in the happiest place on earth, Our moment and their moment were completely different. 10 minutes 
versus three years. Anticipation for the ultimate family vacation that you will remember for a lifetime or just a way to forget about how rotten work was for a few moments. A savings account that it costs to buy all those tickets to take the whole family for the week. Or a really cheap residential season pass. Waking up in a Disney World hotel where where you got to wake up and just go out to the bus and go back in and do the whole thing all over again the next day or waking up in your own bed and realizing that you still have to go back to work. That was us. Different journeys. But in the moment, in that moment inside the magic kingdom, in that moment of being in the happiest place on earth, we were having the exact same experience And as far as anybody in the park knew, we were equals. We were special guests of the mouse. We were vacationers who were worthy of being pampered. We were royalty right there in the magic kingdom. Now, some of you have already checked out because you're, sitting here looking at that picture thinking, how do I go to Disney World next? How, how can I make that happen? I just want to kind of schedule that and see what the tickets are going to cost. And you're also maybe trying to figure out, how do I get that residential pass thing? How many days do I have to actually live in Florida to be a resident? Doesn't work as well anymore, and it's way more expensive than it used to be. But I'm going to ask you to stick with me. Because today we start into a brand new series of messages. And they are messages that are going to take us through a book of the Bible called Colossians. And this book of the Bible that we're going to make our way through, it's made for a great time for so many of our life groups. Because so many of our life groups are going to be engaged in this series with us, and they're going to be following along through uh, Colossians. And they've got discussion questions that our staff have put together uh, that are going along with each one of these Sundays that pass by. And In those discussion questions, there's also a a Bible reading plan for your week that takes you even outside of Colossians and into some other readings and other things to be thinking about. And all the while, it's just kind of bringing us back to the central themes that are part of this incredible book that we find in the New Testament. And so maybe um, you're not part of a life group right now. Or maybe it's something that you had as part of your life, but you've kind of fallen out of the habit of it, you've drifted away from that. I want to encourage you that this can be a great time to get involved in a life group around here at First Christian. There's a brand new opportunity because it's a brand new series and everyone's kind of starting from scratch in a new year. And so if you'd like to be in a life group and you're not involved in one, you can find out information about those on our website. You can find out information about that on our, on our app, or you can get in touch with our life group minister, who's Doug Mitchell, and you can get in touch with him. It's simple, just Doug at FCCETown.com, and, and he'll help you find a group that really fits what you're looking for. Or or maybe Colossians, um, uh, it's not a very long book. It's something that you certainly could read all the way through during these six weeks that we're going to be in it together. Or it's actually small enough that you could read it once a week uh, for all six weeks and really get to know the material that Paul has there. But what I'd like for us to do right now is if you've got your phone or you've got your tablet, you've got a Bible with you, I'd love for you to open to the book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament. It's not a very long book. It might be a little difficult to find in your Bible as you're kind of flipping pages, but we'll give you time to do that. But as you get to Colossians, I I want you to realize that 
This is actually a letter that we have. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church where he had heard about who they were and how they functioned. And he was writing to a church that he recognized really understood their purpose and really understood their place and their role in the kingdom of God and their role as the kingdom of God in their community. And what kind of unfolds in this letter is that we see a church that loves God, that loves people, and that serves others, which is exactly what we're trying to do around here at First Christian. And Paul is so proud of them for it. And even though they had taken different journeys to arrive at the church, okay, even though they had taken different journeys to get to this moment in time when they were in a relationship with Jesus and in a relationship with other people who were in a relationship with Jesus, Paul challenged them to stay centered, not on the different journeys that they had taken, but to stay centered on the destination that they had found themselves in. See, churches are filled with people who have all taken different journeys to get to this place, to get to this moment. I, I don't mean this facility. I don't mean this, this church building. But all of us have taken different journeys to get to where we are in our relationship with Jesus right now. It was true for the church in Colossae. It's true for us. See, some of us are here, and we grew up in a home that church was part of that. And we grew up in a home where Jesus was at the center of life, and, and he was as much a part of life and uh, as much a part of our days and our weeks as going to school or being a part of a, a, a sport team. I mean, whatever the case was, it was just part of who we were, and some of us loved that, and we learned from that. And then there's others of us who had that experience, and we couldn't wait to get out of there. We couldn't wait to move on to other stuff and to not be involved in that life for a while, and so we weren't, and now we've kind of circled our way back. There's others of us who are here who really weren't surrounded by any of those things when we were growing up. And so we kind of chased after all the different things that the world has thrown at us and different paths that are out there. And we've kind of followed after different ones and some have met success and some haven't. And, and so we've come to this place where now we're trying this out. Because somebody said that Jesus seemed to make a difference in their life and so we're checking into that. And there's some of us who have been through some tragedies and have been through some chaos, have been through some sadness. We've been through some moments that have brought us to our knees and really almost in desperation, we found our way to Jesus. And when we got there, he lifted us up and he welcomed us home. Some of us, have taken this journey and it's been a really, really long journey. And then there's some of us for whom the journey was just down the road. We were already living a pretty pleasant and comfortable life and we haven't had these great epiphanies that have happened for us. We haven't had these great tragedies that have happened for us. We were just kind of going through life and we just naturally ended up in church somehow and got around Jesus somehow and it all feels pretty normal and real now. For some of us, the cost of following Jesus was absolutely significant. It was expensive to our life 
to follow Jesus. And yet others of us, we don't remember there really being that much of a cost to Jesus at all. We've all had different journeys. And regardless of the journey, the value of a life in Christ is as equal and as special for every single one of us, no matter what the journey was to get to this moment, no matter who you were, no matter what you've done, no matter how long that journey was, we are equal and special in this moment. Now, getting back to the illustration, the kingdom of God and trying to compare the kingdom of God with the magic kingdom is actually kind of silly. The kingdom of God far outshines the magic kingdom. For one, the magic kingdom's made up. The kingdom of God certainly isn't. And it seems almost silly to make any kind of comparison except for this. No matter how you got there, when you're there, you are royalty. And that's what Paul digs in on as he opens up the book of Colossians. So if you've got your phone, you've got a tablet, you've got your Bible, here we go, Colossians chapter one, right at the beginning, here's what we read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, just pause right there for a moment and think about what it would be like to get a letter sent to us, or I guess maybe an email sent to us, and it's sent to us from the hero, okay, the spiritual superstar in the whole world who has recognized our little church and wants to write us a letter and wants to encourage us and how that would feel that not only does he want to write us a letter, but the things that he says, he's saying that he's proud of us. And he's saying that he knows that God is proud of us. And it's not just lip service, and it's not just pleasantries, and he's not just blowing smoke and all this stuff. This is how Paul really feels about who we are. And it's the message that he wants to share over and over in the pages that follow. What would it be like to get a letter like that? Oh, he goes on. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. When he describes these people, faith and love and hope that they have because of the truth that they've already heard about, that they've already received, and that they already believe. What an awesome way to be described as people of faith, as people of love, of people of hope. Now, here's a big question. It's a big question for you to chew on, and when I say for you to chew on, I don't mean you collectively, I mean you individually. This is a big question for you to chew on. A person of faith, a person of love, a person of hope, is that how anybody in your life would describe you? 
Is that even how you would describe you? Because when we start thinking about how we define ourselves and the identity that we want to place on ourselves, this is a part of who we are. If we know Jesus, if we're in a relationship with Jesus, we quickly kind of overlook this unbelievably important aspect of who we are. And instead, we start identifying ourselves in the same way that we define other people with things like, you know, how old we are or where we live or what kind of house we live in or what we do for a living. There's a big one. We start defining somebody by what they do for a living. We find out what they do for a living and then we kind of build this entire profile of who they are in our own mind just based on what they do for a living. But here's the problem. Statistics tell us that um, only 30% of Americans are doing something with their lives that is fulfilling to them, that they actually like to do, which means 70% of Americans are doing something right now that they don't really enjoy, that they don't find fulfillment in, that doesn't really define them or shouldn't define them, and yet it's the thing, the very thing, that most people use to define who they are. You are not who you, or you are not what you do. You are not what you have. You, you are not about the, the car that you drive or the, the house that you live in. Those are not who you are, or, or at least, if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't have to be. Let me be more specific. When you are in Christ, none of those things are actually who you are. Now, when you don't have Jesus, when Jesus is not at the center of your life, when you don't have the hope of Jesus to hold on to, then you end up grasping at straws like wealth and, and status and jobs and cars and houses to kind of give yourself an identity and to give yourself a sense of worth. But here's the struggle and here's the anxiety that goes inside all of us when that's what we're grasping at. We know all those things don't last. We know that all of those things are fleeting. We know that every one of those things depreciates and is losing value with every passing day. But when you know Jesus, and when your life is defined by him, and your identity is wrapped up in him, then wealth and cars and status and houses, you can have those things or you cannot have those things. And it doesn't change that your identity is royalty. And it doesn't mean that you can't be proud of your job. It doesn't mean that you can't like the car that you drive doesn't mean that you, you can't spend time making your house look the way that your house wants to look or that you want your house to look, but when your life is a life that's in Christ, none of those things are what define you. See, to a different church, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, again, talking about identity, he said, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, but we don't do that any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 
because of Jesus. Because of his grace, because of his forgiveness, because of his mercy, because of his love, you are now defined by the standards of heaven, not the standards of earth. You are a new creation. And all of the marring and all of the scarring that this life has brought you here on earth, on this planet, it is a thing of the past. You may be able to see some of that still. You may have those things kind of creep into your life from time to time, but none of those things define you when you are in Christ. Now, our journeys to this moment, our journeys to Christ, they're all different. Your, your journey to, to, to have a relationship with Jesus is completely different than the person sitting next to you. Even if we've been with each other for a really long time, our journeys to Jesus were different. Just like our journeys in this world are different. The, the experiences that we have are completely different and the moments that we encounter are completely different that get us to this moment that we're in right now. And right here, right now, in this room, with the people who are here, with the humanity expressed right here, All of us are experiencing this moment right now differently based on our journey. Because see, there's some of us who are here right now, and man, this is like, life is a high-flying moment right now. Things are just awesome. Everything has been up and to the right for you. And it has been this has just been one of those months, January 2022, you will remember as one of those months where everything seemed to fall into place and you're flying high. And then there are others of us who are here. And um, we're, we're in the pit. In fact, we're... Uh, we're down in places that we never thought our life would ever be. But your life is not defined by those events or by those consequences. They never have been. Those circumstances aren't who you are. See, you can have this amazing high that's going on in life because of some event that's taken place or maybe some awards that you've received and some accomplishments, lots of people patting you on the back and it's awesome. And not to be a Debbie Downer to all of that and not to throw water on all of that, but just we've all lived life long enough to have experienced the fact that that high flying act of life is not gonna last. But at the same time, when you're having a dark night of the soul, or maybe it's not a dark night of the soul, maybe it's a dark season of the soul, and the tears have been coming and they are absolutely uncontrollable, that's not gonna last either. Because that's not your identity. It's not your definition. But when we don't have a definition, or when we don't have a solid identity in our life, something to kind of anchor to, then we find ourselves being blown about and swayed by all of the events and all the circumstances and all the consequences that are going on in our life. That's why Jesus is so essential to those of us who know him. Who I am in Christ is the anchor identity 
that I have so that when things sway to the really, really high or the really, really low, I'm not identified or defined by any of those things because I am anchored to Jesus. And if you don't know him, if you're just kind of investigating all of this stuff, let let me tell you what's possible for an identity in Christ. Because my life in Christ in Elizabethtown in 2022 is actually the same as my identity would have been in Colossae 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing this letter. Because see, because of Jesus, I am a person of faith. Now, there are some people in our world who hear that you're a person of faith and they kind of run down a pretty unflattering view. They see a person of faith as somebody who is disconnected from reality, who doesn't live in the real world, who doesn't understand what's going on all around them, and they are just kind of living this this fantasy life, and that's not me. But there are other people that when they hear about a person of faith, they think of people who have something else that they are anchored to, that they are holding on to tightly, that is beyond the tangible of this world and it means something to them and that is me. Faith in Christ Jesus as the Lord of my life, as the master of my life. Faith that God is the God of all that we know and also all that we don't know. And faith that my destiny is not defined by my accomplishments, but that my destiny is defined by what has already been accomplished for me on a cross and through an empty tomb. Because of Jesus, I am a person of faith. And because of Jesus, I am also a person of love. Love that I have for people, love that I have for people who are um, the people of God, but my love doesn't kind of limit itself there. I have love for people who are currently away from God, who are far away from God. And and my love for them matters and it inspires me. But the love that I have because of Jesus is love that is ready to inspire one another. And it's love that is is ready to cheer one another on. And it's love that's ready to care for one another. It's love that's ready to pray for one another. And it's love that doesn't always make sense. And the reason that, that the love that comes from those of us who know Jesus doesn't always make sense is because we learned about love from the one who loved us first and the one who loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. And we had done nothing to earn the love that he poured out on us and that he continues to pour that love out on us even when we don't deserve it. And what happens is, is that that flood of love that comes into our life happens so frequently and so over and over and over again that it spills out from us to other people. We've seen this in the last couple of weeks when we've been looking at the first century church in Jerusalem. We've spent the last couple of weeks looking in in the book of Acts and when Luke was defining 
what that church was like when he was identifying who that church was. These are the words that he used to describe them. He said, all the believers there were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. It's who Christians were. It's who Christ followers were. It's who people who had a relationship with Jesus were day one of the church. And it's who they were in year two of the church. And it's who they were in year five of the church. And it's who they were in year 30 of the church when the church was starting to spread to foreign lands like Colossae where Paul had never even been before, but he'd heard about their love. So it makes sense that all the way forward in 2022 in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, it is still our identity as a church. That if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if your identity is in him, then you are a person of faith and you are a person of love. And then the part that sometimes we, we have to cling to most of all during certain seasons of life. Because of Jesus, I'm a person of hope. Hope that this is not the end. Hope that there is life still to come. Hope that the moments that I'm spending right now in the pit will not last. And hope that the times that I spend in the highest of highs is nothing compared to what God has in store for me. That's the hope that I have. It's an existence that we have always waited for. It's, it's the time and, and the place that seems too good to be true. What is waiting for us, the hope that we're clinging to, is actually the happiest place on earth. And it's not a fantasy. And it's not naivety. It is a confident hope that we live by because of Jesus. It's who I am. It's who Christ made me to be. I am a person of faith, I am a person of love, I am a person of hope. Now, I can be really, really proud of my accomplishments. And I can be really proud of your accomplishments, but they are not what define me and they are not what define you. Your wealth status, your, your school status, your relationship status, your career status, that's not who you are. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And the old stuff that so inadequately defined you is now gone and you are no longer identified by any of that stuff if you know Jesus. Jesus died as a sacrifice. A sacrifice for your sin and, and he rose from the dead and conquered the enemy that seemed unconquerable in death and he did all of it for you. If it had just been you, he'd have done it. 
And it wasn't just that he was checking a box that needed to be checked for eternity. He then turned around and invited you into a life with him. And not just into a life with him, but into a life in him. A life that would redefine who you are. A life that would redefine how people see you. A life that would redefine how you see yourself. That you would be defined as a person of faith, as a person of love, as a person of hope. It was as if at your baptism, you were given brand new papers. You know, you got a brand new passport, you you got a brand new birth certificate that redid your entire identity. And being those people who have been made new, who have been given brand new identities because of Jesus, it becomes contagious. See, Paul continued on in Colossians chapter one, starting in verse six, he finished with this. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Here's what your path was. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also has told us of your love in the Spirit. And identity spreads your journey towards Christ is different than the person that's sitting next to you. It's different than the person who's watching with us online right now. The journeys are different. For some, the journey was long and unknown. For some, the journey was just down the street. For some, the journey was full of pain and full of mishaps and full of unbelievable expense. But all those journeys brought us to a place of royalty. That's who Jesus has made you to be. That's who Jesus has made me to be. But for all of us, that journey included our life intersecting with people whose identity had already been changed because they were already living a life in Christ. At some point along the way, if you are a person of faith, if you are a person of love, if you are a person of hope, your life before all of that intersected with somebody who already had all of that. And you saw that in them and you wanted what they had and you wanted to be like they were. You wanted the clarity that they had. For me, I had these, these tour directors that were part of my life that showed me what it meant to be royalty, that showed me what it was like to have an identity in Christ. People like my mom and dad and people like my youth minister, Scott Einan. And what they showed me, whether they knew it or not, was they showed me what could be my identity by their identity. And there are people who are in your life right now that if you know Jesus and they don't, you could be showing them their identity by letting them see your identity. If you have your identity in Jesus, please know that that, not your job, not the car that you drive, not the house that you live in, not even your family, is who you are. Your identity is Jesus. Now the lows are still gonna come. And the pit is still gonna be there. The heartache will happen. 
But the highs will happen as well, and the awards and the achievements, all that's going to take place as well. But you don't have to cling to those fleeting experiences. They don't define you. You can have your identity in Christ. No matter what's happened to you, no matter how far from him you feel like you have been at times, no matter where you have been, no matter who you have been, Jesus died on a cross and he rose again for you so that you could have a new identity, so that you could be defined by who he is, a person of faith, a person of love, a person of hope. No matter how you got to this moment, you are royalty because of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we live in a world that is all about identity right now, and a world that's trying to define itself and redefine itself and force us to redefine ourselves as well. And all those things that we tend to chase after to bring us identity at one point or another fail us and send us back to the drawing board. And yet you have given us an identity. Through what Jesus did on a cross and walking out of a tomb, you have given us an identity and you have defined us in ways that we never knew possible. And you have changed who we are. You have made us into a new creation all because of Jesus. And we thank you. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus that, that has flooded over your life. And, and you've heard about him and you've heard stories, but you, you wouldn't say that you are defined by him. You wouldn't say that, that your identity is wrapped up in him. And you need to say yes to Jesus and yes to his forgiveness and be baptized in his name. If that's you this morning, we invite you to come. You can walk right down these aisles in just a second as we're singing together. We have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you, answer questions that you have about that decision. Or maybe you've already made that decision. You want to be with people who are trying to find their identity in Christ as well and collectively be the kind of church that Paul's talking about. You can join with us here at First Christian. We'd love to have you with us. So if you have one of those decisions to make here in just a moment, we invite you to walk down the aisles. But for the rest of us, we have a chance to worship and praise and celebrate who Christ has made us to be. May we worship him right now as we sing. You are my love. 
All I 